Good to see everybody today and happy Thanksgiving weekend. And real quick, we know a lot of people are traveling. Can we just welcome everybody online real quick? Just want to say hello to you if you're out of town or join us from out of there. I want to welcome you in. And uh, today we're wrapping up our series called Entrusted because life is a gift and uh, everything we have is a gift from God. And uh, when we sing, what we're doing is we sing in response to how good God is, not just for what he's given us, but he is good, he is kind, he is gracious. And today what we're going to be talking about is how God has entrusted you and I with words. And I know for us already this, this week, uh, the word that has impacted us and has impacted our nation is the word Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the age uh, where you only got Thursday and Friday off. I don't remember when uh, people got Wednesday off from school as well, from Thanksgiving. Anybody remember that? We're like, where, where did this fall break come from and Wednesday get off? But, but here's what happens this week is this. When Thanksgiving is in the mix, it's amazing what that one word does. That that one word shuts down New York City because it is the Macy's Day Parade. Hallelujah, right? I love watching that Macy's Day Parade, 9 a.m. And uh, on Thanksgiving morning, it's kind of my family's routine. You know, we, we, we get food going, we get coffee. And, and what I love is this, is that Thanksgiving shuts down New York City. And Thanksgiving begins to shut down your schedule and my schedule. I not only had Thanksgiving on Thursday with my mom's side of the family up in Scottsburg, uh, but we had Thanksgiving up in uh, Indianapolis with my wife's side of the family. We decided to do Mexican that day, right? Because why not? It's the second day of Thanksgiving. And so if the camera adds 10 pounds, it does. It's true, all right? You know, but it's one of these things that I love about Thanksgiving. And here's what we're going to discover in God's word is this, is that his words and our words actually have power to change lives. The only thing is this, sometimes we neglect what God has entrusted to us and what he has entrusted to you and I as followers of Jesus is this, we gotta pay attention today is this, he's entrusted us with his words. Oftentimes we don't think about what we say, but man, we feel it, don't we? I, I always grew up hearing this phrase as well, people won't always remember what you say, but they will remember what, anybody remember how it goes? how they make you feel. Isn't it true that the words that have been spoken to us or what has been said to us changes how we feel? This is why I wanna to look today, Paul, you know, we talk about Thanksgiving this week, but I just wanna encourage you this, Thanksgiving isn't just something that started with our nation. Thanksgiving is actually the way of life as a follower of God. 107 times in the Old Testament, God calls his people to give thanks. 71 times it shows up in the New Testament, which means this, the way that you and I live as followers of God is this, is that we live in this perpetual motion of giving thanks to God, giving thanks to the, to the God of grace, giving thanks to the God of mercy. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter four, verse six, he was writing to give a word of encouragement, which you and I need every day. And listen to what he says. He says, don't be anxious about anything, which means this, everybody was anxious, all right? He goes, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. And then he puts two words here, and let's say them out loud together. With thanksgiving, two words. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's amazing what two words do to this sentence. He says, don't be anxious about anything because he knows you and I are anxious people. And he goes, here's what you need to do in your anxiousness is with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What is, 
with thanksgiving mean? With thanksgiving means this, that you remember that for some of us, we're anxious because of our failure, we're anxious because of our sin, and we're anxious because of how we believe God might respond to us. And he says this, hey, with thanksgiving, which means this, remember the God who says your failure is not final because of the cross. And you may today be anxious in your sin, and you need to know today God has grace for you. Yes, we confess our sins, but what happens is this. He fills us with his grace and mercy so that our sin doesn't define us, but Christ does. Maybe you're anxious today because of the situations that you're going through, and what you need to know today is this, is that you have the God who is with you the whole of every moment, and so no matter what you're going through, you do not face it alone. Yes, you may be anxious, but you are not alone in your anxiousness. Paul says, remember and give thanks. See, our words have power. Our words begin to shape how we think and how we feel. Here's my guess, and this is just a guess. It's true about me. This is my guess about you, is this. Today, right now, you probably have words that have been spoken over you to you in the past that you're still carrying with you right now. It's just a guess. But maybe there's a situation growing up where maybe a teacher said some uh, maybe false statements about you. And you're like, man, that was third grade. I'm 63, and I still remember third grade like it was yesterday. And here's why. It's because our words have power. Maybe for you, though, today, it's not what the words have been spoken to you. Maybe it was the words that were not spoken to you that should have been. And you carry that weight with you today. Did you realize it's always funny? Words carry different weight depending upon who says it. Somebody that you really don't know or don't really trust could say something to you and you go, whatever. But isn't it amazing when somebody that you know and trust says something to you, how it changes the way we feel? I got a letter last week uh, from uh, somebody uh, out of state. They were from Nixa, Missouri, and uh, it was a handwritten letter. And aren't, aren't handwritten letters cool, right? You know, like nobody does that anymore. And we got this letter, and uh, my assistant Liz gave this to me. She said, hey, we got this letter from Nixa, Missouri. I don't even know where Nixa, Missouri's at. And I'm like, okay, Nixa, Missouri, cool. I open it up, and this is what the letter says. Northside Christian Church. I'm an 86-year-old man with an 84-year-old wife. Where is this going, right? You know, I'm like, that's the first sentence in this letter. I'm an 86-year-old man with an 84-year-old wife, and we have been members of Christian churches for many years. When COVID hit, we were able to attend our church online. One Sunday, we were unable to get our online service. And trying to get Northside Christian Church in Springfield, Missouri, we wound up getting your church. <laughs> And we have watched every Sunday since September. We're very impressed with the quality of your services that are given, and we plan to continue worshiping with you every Sunday morning. This is our, and I love this, man. They even said this, you know, just to know it was crazy. Then they end this. This is our second offering to help with the good work for God that you are doing. Signed, Dana and Edna Hauser. Can we just say hello to Danny and Dana and Edna Hauser, man? I'm sitting there thinking about this sermon, about the power of words. I don't know Danny and Edna, but man, that changed my day. And isn't it amazing when people write things to us, we just go, wow. And we say this, we go, man, I needed that word. See, this is the joy of getting to be the church. We have literally the living word 
That's what John says when Jesus showed up. He said that the word was made flesh. That the living word that we need, the living word that speaks into our life, the living word that begins to shape us, the living word that begins to guide us. I love how God works. At the very beginning, God creates all things by this. It says that God spoke. Are you and I listening to the words of God? Are you and I being shaped by the words of God? Are you and I speaking the words of God? See, God has entrusted you and I with his words. He's entrusted us with the ability to help impact and shape and to speak into people's lives because words have the power to move us. See, one of the things that we forget, we think our words are meaningless because so many, put, so many will put things out on social media and what will happen is this, words will become white noise. Can I just encourage you today? Our words, when we speak the words of Jesus, are not white noise. They're actually the words of Christ. And they matter and they shape. Matter of fact, Proverbs has all sorts of uh, beginning to give instructions about our words. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer, a gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, when we speak a gentle word to somebody, it turns away wrath. Not just the words that we speak, but how we speak the matters. He says this in Proverbs chapter 12. Solomon says, a reckless word pierce like a sword. Some of you, you go, man, I've never been stabbed with a knife, but I've had a word spoken over me and it has cut me to the core. Yeah, reckless words, they pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise, they bring healing. Your words can pierce people and your words can bring healing to people. They can bring life to people. God has entrusted us with our words. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 and 28. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Sometimes it's not just what you say. Sometimes it's knowing when you're not supposed to say anything, right? God, help me to speak, and God, help me when I know I need to be quiet, right? And if you come over to my house right now, Home Alone 1 and 2 are playing nonstop in our house right now with a 10, 7, and 5-year-old. We don't watch Home Alone 3. I have boundaries, all right? It's just Home Alone 1 and 2, right? And we watch it over and over again, and if you've seen that movie, at the end of the movie, I was thinking about that, uh, even a fool knows when to be quiet, and if the fool is quiet, they're thought wise. At the end of both Home Alone 1 and 2, when Harry and Marv are caught and arrested, the sticky bandits and the wet bandits, right? What Marv begins to do is this. He goes, yeah, we're the wet bandits. And he begins to tell them that that's where all of the houses that they flooded are all the places, you know, that they've hit. And Harry's like, shut up, Marv, right? And then Home Alone 2, we're the sticky bandits. And da -da -da, shut up, Marv. And what Harry knows is this. Even a fool is sounding wise when they know to be quiet. Because our words have power. Our words begin to shape people's lives. Our words can pierce like a sword. And our words can bring healing. See, I don't know, sometimes this is what I forget. Maybe you don't believe this today, but this is true in God's word. 
Did you know that God actually wants to speak his words through you? Some of you are like, oh, he doesn't want to do that through me. No, that's the power of God. He goes, I want to speak my word through broken people into a broken world so that there is healing and hope in this world. What an honor. What an honor that we have as followers of Jesus to get to speak the words of God, to get to be the people of God, that God would say, no, I'm not choosing just other people. I'm choosing my creation. I want to redeem. I want to speak in and through you. And I have entrusted you with my words. Today, this is my hope and prayer as we open God's word is that we would know he wants to speak his words through us, which means our words matter. Because what we also find in scripture is this, our words have the power to build up like this letter built me up. Our words have the power to build up. And this is what James says is this, is that our words also have the power to burn down. Some of you, you are here today because you were scorched by words growing up. Maybe you're here today because you were scorched by words from your last church. And you went, I, I got to get out of here. See, our words can build up and our words can burn down. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to James chapter 3. He begins to talk. And this is what I love about James, especially the book of James. If you ever, if you want, man, I just want the word of God. I just want it to like be a sledgehammer to my face. Read the book of James, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he not only just like speaks truth. He's like, I'm going to give it as plain as day. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to hit you with the truth. And what I love what James says, and this is Jesus's half brother. He says this about our words. And listen to what he says in James chapter three, verse three through 10. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. What he's talking about is the horse's mouth. Man, when you control the mouth, you control the whole animal. Then he goes on to say this, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. What he's saying is, man, our words, they steer people's lives. He goes on to say this, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is set on fire by, uh, and it is set, it itself is set on fire by hell. Told you James doesn't pull any punches, right? What he's saying is this, you and I, when we're born, our mouth is already lit with a pilot light. And man, if we're not careful, we will burn down people. We will burn down like a small spark. We will burn down a forest. He goes on to say this, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's image. This is why it matters what we say. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James says what we say matters. I, I did some research on the tongue. I, I, this is what I found fascinating. I didn't know this, but the tongue is made up of eight muscles. And here's what's fascinating about the tongue. 
it's a muscle that will never wear out. Did you know that? You've never pulled an ACL in your tongue. Oh, I'll pull my ACL. I can't, I can't talk this week, right? You know? Some of you are like, I wish you would pull an ACL, right? You know, in your tongue, right? This is why even as a kid, you mouth off. And at 63, you can still mouth off. Here's what happens, your tongue, it never wears out. And this is why James is saying, we gotta realize that our tongue, if we're not careful, it is set on fire by the fires of hell and it just spews deadly poison. How is it that something so small can actually wreck the lives of people? It's because this is the power of the words that God has given us. See, God has entrusted us with words. They are powerful. They paint pictures, poetry, powerful. The word of God, powerful. Because it speaks and it shapes and it cultivates. Then he says this. He begins to say, no man can tame the tongue. Not all sorts of animals and birds and reptiles, all of them have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. Some of you going, yeah, you know, why would you want to tame it anyway? Here's what I found out about an animal is this. Actually, did you know this? A horse is more powerful when it is tamed. Do you know that? Sometimes we see like a, an unbroken horse, a horse that hasn't been tamed, a horse that doesn't have a saddle on it, and you go, oh, that is raw power. And actually, a horse in an animal becomes stronger when it's tamed. Because here's what happens. It's able to go in a direction. It's able to live under authority. It's able to do, it's able to be controlled and it's able to produce good things. Here's what, James, and James says this, he just kind of ends this passage by saying this, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Like, good luck, <laughs> right? We're like, oh, here's what I think James is getting at. And this is what the, the rest of the Bible validates is this. Oftentimes, here's our problem. We've tried to tame our tongue. You ever find you like want to change your words one week only to do worse that week? You're like, I'm trying to do better. And man, I'm doing worse. Here's what I began to realize in scripture. It's this. As much as we want to tame the tongue and as much as God has called us that we've been entrusted with words, here's how you and I tame the tongue. You ready? We let Jesus tame our hearts. Too many times this has been the failure that I've fallen into I've reverted to behavior modification, not heart transformation. And so I'm trying to change my behavior, I'm trying to change my words, only to do worse. And really what God is saying is this, I never start with your behavior, what I do is this, I start with your heart. And so if you and I wanna to begin to change our words, if you and I wanna to begin to change our language, don't start with your language, start with your heart. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter six, verse 45. He says, the good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his what? Mouth speaks. Jesus goes, it doesn't start with your language. It starts with what you're storing up in your heart. See, oftentimes if you say words that you regret, and man, I have said words to friends. Isn't it interesting? The ones that we hurt the most are actually a lot of times the ones that are closest to us. Man, the friends that I've hurt, 
Really, if I go back and I dissect it, it's not just that I didn't want to say that, it's this. I was unaware of what was going on in my heart at that time. And if I was anxious or I was angry, guess what came out of me? Anxious and angry words. And you go, whoa, where did that come from? It went from what was being stored up in my heart. See, Jesus has entrusted us with words, but he's saying this, you've got to let my word begin to change your heart. We say this, even if you're not a Christian here today, we say this in our conversations, if you've got to have a tough conversation. You ever heard somebody say this? Hey, we need to have a heart to what? We need to have a heart to heart. Why don't we say, hey, we need to have a talk to talk? Because we know we're not just saying words, aren't we? In that moment, we're sharing our heart. We need to have a heart to heart. We need to have a heart to heart. See, Jesus in this passage, what he's saying is this. We need to have a heart to heart. See, your language and my language begins to change when we allow Jesus to have a heart to heart with us. And what happens is this. When the word of God is planted in our heart, guess what comes out of us? The word of God. When grace is planted in our heart, guess what comes out of us? The grace of God. When mercy has been stored up in our hearts and our lives, see, it's not just that we would change our words, it's that the word of God would change us. And when the word of God begins to change us, the words that come out of us begin to change. Some of you are like, Nate, that sounds great. I don't know how to begin there. This is why I want us to see that Jesus began to live lives this life. He began to live this way. He shows us this way. Before I get there, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. And it connected the dots for me a long time ago. Listen to what the Psalm writer says. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, the writer of Psalms knew this that my words were connected to my heart. That the words in our heart always go together. So how do we connect those two today? How do we begin to be people who have been entrusted with these words? I wanna invite you just to turn one page over in 1 Peter chapter two. Peter begins to describe how Jesus connected his words and his heart and how Jesus today begins to to give us a pathway forward with our words. Listen to what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. It says, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, yes, Jesus was insulted. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was made fun of. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. And some of you are like, yeah, I know, he's Superman. I'm not Superman, can't do that. Hang on. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, here it is, you ready? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, the entrusted life is this, recognizing that God has placed things in our hands and in our life and everything is a gift. But what Jesus shows us in this passage is this, the entrusted life also says this, that I entrust the words that have been spoken over me and I give God the last word. You know how Jesus didn't retaliate? 
You know how he didn't just fly off the handle when people were making fun of him? And, and can I just, I mean, I'm reading this passage this week, and I've just, I just had one of those imaginary conversations if I was Jesus, right? And isn't it funny how we always divert to sarcasm, right? Where if somebody was insulting me and if I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh yeah, did you make the stars? Shut up, right? You know what I'm saying? And like, like, you know, this is why we're not Jesus, but he's Jesus, right? Because we would have so many comebacks. We'd have so much sarcasm. We'd have so many words that wouldn't help people. And Jesus gets these insults hurled at him and he doesn't retaliate. He goes through suffering and he makes no threats. But here's what he did. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know what he did? He allowed God to not just have the first word in his life. He allowed God to have the last word in his life. These people are making fun of me. But God, I'm going to let you have the last word. God, I'm going to let your word define me more than I'm going to let these people's words define me. We always heard that phrase, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will what? That's a lie from the pit of hell, right? Every word hurts, right? We say stuff like this. We say stuff like that. We, we tell somebody, and then we, we, we kind of put a, a little phrase at the end. We tell them something, and we go, hey, man, it's not personal. Do you realize everything's personal? Like, we don't have that on and off switch, Jesus is 100% God. He's also 100% fully human. Guess what? Those insults hurt. And what did he do? He entrusted himself. It wasn't just that he didn't react and he didn't retaliate. It's this. It's that he entrusted himself. He entrusted himself to the one who could judge justly. He gave himself open to say, God, I know those words are being spoken over me right now, but God, I'm going to give those words over to you. I'm going to allow you to be the judge, not those words. See, I think one of the most healthy things you and I can do today is this, is that words that have been spoken over us need to be handed over to God. Today, you may be carrying some words that have been spoken over you since you were a kid. Maybe it was a parent that said something to you. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it's some self-talk that you keep speaking over yourself and you know what you need to do? You need to entrust those words to the one who judges justly. See, this is how we begin to change our words. This is how Jesus was silent in this moment. As he entrusted himself to his heavenly father. Listen what it goes on to say. Because he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray. But now, if I could summarize the gospel in two words, it's this. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What Peter is saying in this passage here is this. He's mindful of the words that he's spoken. One of Jesus' best friends here, the Apostle Peter, he writes these words, and you know what he says? He writes these words 20 years later after the words that he had said that were failure. Jesus, I will never leave you 
even if it means till the death. And then a 14-year-old girl walks up and goes, aren't you that follower of Jesus? He gone, right? He just runs away. He runs away. One question comes his way. I'm never, I'm with you to the death. Runs away. He overpromises. He underdelivers. And he could have been marked by those words. He could have been marked by those failures. And instead, what we find is this. Peter begins to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. And his life is changed. And he begins to write these words. He begins to write these words that says, it was he who bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then he says this, because by his wounds, you have been healed. Words have wounds. And I'm telling you here today, the word of life, Jesus, is the one who heals your wounds. He's the one who heals our wounds. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Did you know today that Jesus wants to be the overseer and the shepherd of your souls? He's going, no, I, I know the words that you've defined yourself by. I know the sin that you carry but I want to be the, the overseer and the shepherd of your soul. Somebody asked me one time, and this is a great tool that I picked up. They said, how do you give your testimony to somebody? How do you, you know, we want to speak the words of life. We want to share the words of life to others. How do we do that? This is a simple tool. Somebody taught me this. Say two phrases or two words that described who you were before Jesus. And then two words or phrases that describes who you are after Jesus. So for me, it would be this, self-righteous and insecure. But now, because of Jesus, I'm saved by grace and I walk in the security of Jesus. It's amazing the difference of words, isn't it? See, this is what Peter's saying here. But now, but now, yes, that's who you were, but now, but now, the overseer and the shepherd of your soul begins to change you from the inside out. You know how your words begin to change? It's when you allow the shepherd to change your heart. See, this is what an entrusted life looks like. It's realizing that God has placed things in our hands and our life is about receiving the gift of grace from God. But then this is also what we do is this, is that we entrust our lives to him that he is entrusted to us and our response is, God, I'm entrusting my life to you. This is exactly what Jesus did. This is why he's the savior of all time because every single one of us have not entrusted him, but today he's inviting us to trust. Here's what I wanna invite you to do if you would. Would you just close your eyes and just place your hands on your knees with open hands today? Today, Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting us to return to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And here's what I want to do today is this. There's some things I believe that we need to entrust back to God. He has entrusted things to us, and today we need to entrust to him. And this passage says this. He, he himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
today with your hands opened, what sins do you need to hand over to God? What sin have you been struggling with? Maybe what sin has been done to you, spoken over you, and the only way for you to move forward is to entrust that sin to the one who went to the cross. What do you need to entrust to your shepherd today? Second thing Peter says here in this passage is this. By his wounds, you have been healed. Today, where do you need God's healing in your life? He invites you to entrust him for that healing. To allow the creator of the world to heal and to speak into your life. For you and I were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Father, our hands are open to you today. Because Jesus, this is how you live. This is how you came to save us as you opened your hands on the cross to take all of the sins of humanity. Father, we pray that our language just wouldn't change, but Father, we pray that our hearts would change today. That animosity that we carry, the hurt that we carry, Father, it is real, but so is your grace, and so is your mercy, and so is your power, and so is your spirit. And so, Father, with open hands today, Lord, we entrust our lives back to you. You alone, Jesus, are the one who can heal us. You alone, Jesus, are the one who could hold us together. Father, you alone are the only one who can keep us going when we've had insults hurled at us. Jesus, I pray for your healing right now. For wounds that we've carried, for wounds that we've inflicted, Jesus, would you heal us and would you send us to be your hands and feet in this world? Father, what an honor to get a walk with you. Father, what an honor to be saved by you, to be changed by you. May we speak your words today, Jesus. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And it's your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. May you go in his power today. God bless you all, and we'll see you next weekend.